Well, happy Father's Day. We're so glad you're here. But I get a question to <laughs> ask right in the beginning. And, and, and maybe it's a, a little off, but what's secret? What's the recipe? I don't know if you're like me, but you walk into the food store. I do not care what the food store is, but there's usually this, in the summer, huge bin of watermelon, right? right? And Sharon says, pick up a watermelon. That, I panic. I, I, it's not like there aren't 47 watermelons to pick from. So I look around. Ah, uh, What's a good watermelon? How, how do you do this? So I ask the first person that's in the aisle, and they look at me, I don't know. So they're like, how do you pick a good watermelon? What's the secret? Or a golf swing. Isn't that another thing? You watch these golfers on TV. It's just about the easiest thing in the whole world to do, right? Little ball, little club. You swing. There's goal. Ours go. I won't even say that. Mine. You know, what about green grass? Don't you want a recipe for green grass all the way through? Your neighbors are all having green grass and yours look like what happened to my grass? Or catch a fish. This is classic. How hard is it to catch a fish? Well, you know what? You got to do this. You can go in the... And, and people have all these secrets on how to do this. And then there's recipes. One of the greatest things is, and compliments is probably going somewhere and you really enjoying the dish or really enjoy the food. And so the first thing you do is you, well, whoever does it, you, you go and you say, hey, how do you make that potato salad? You know, you know give, give me that secret. Or peach pie <laughs> or anything with a peach, you know. You, you look and say, you know, I'd, I'd like to try that. Or sometimes it's a recipe for window wash. Now, yeah, okay, you'll buy the stuff, you'll do this, but window washers, don't they always have this like little special thing? So, so whenever they're done washing the windows, there's no streaks. Whenever I'm done washing the windows, it just doesn't matter. Streaks, lines, and you're like, oh boy. The recipe, I need the recipe. Well, today, in today's passage, we are going to be looking for Paul's secret recipe. Paul's secret sauce. Paul is going to have joy in spite of circumstances. Whoa, who doesn't want that? When you lose a job to be joyful. When you don't get the grade that you want. When the house that you've been waiting for, someone outbids you by $20,000. And you just keep going on and on and on. And you go like, well, how is it that I can be joyful in life? 
Now, if you've been with us, we started this Philippians study two weeks ago. And we went into a lot of detail on where Paul was and, and even some of Paul's journey and how much he suffered ever since he came to faith. So we know that Paul had hardships. But we also know Paul knew of verses in the Old Testament in Psalm 100, verse 2. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Have great joy. This is okay. But Paul was chained and still excited, joyful about ministry. Joyful. Not concerned about the chains. How does he do it? Many of us would feel sidelined. I think you probably all know what that feels like. You have a starting position. Or you're number one in sales. Or you fill in the blank and all of a sudden through an injury or through some other kind of circumstance, you're put on the side. You're not able to contribute anymore. The bench never feels good. And in some ways, Paul, if not the greatest church planner I've ever lived, the author of so much of the New Testament, hey, my plan for you, Paul, is to go under house arrest. I'm going to have you chained. Uh, it could take up to four years, and we're just going to wait for you to eventually go before Caesar, and eventually, well, hear what Caesar has to say. So here you go. Sit back. Sit there. This is your assignment. Paul is remarkable. As you read his letter, and there's a few other prison epistles, he isn't whining about his situation. He isn't complaining about not being able to labor in some ripe mission field like Spain at this moment. There's no attacking of his critics. Paul is rejoicing in spite of the years of house arrest. Life is hard. And ministry especially can drain you. Their burdens and their disappointments. And there's lack of response. And the needs seem so great. And the hours just seem to get longer and longer. The standing joke, especially as I hang out with other pastors, is, is that they think about quitting every Monday morning. <laughs> it's kind of a bad spot to be in. They're often distracted. Or they're disheartened. Or maybe it is just the enemy working so hard and they're oppressed. But pastors aren't the only ones who feel like this. Any ministry that you're involved with, any time you serve, any time you're trying to encourage others to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love others well. Oh, there's so many things that can derail you. Paul shows us that there can be joy in ministry, joy in life, no matter what the circumstances. But I'd like to warn you. I'd like to warn you, I think this message could be life-transforming. I do. 
Not because of the speaker, but because of what Paul is going to share. Because if you believe what these verses are going to share, you will never be the same. You just won't. But before we open it up, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you so much that we can come together and we can raise our hands and worship. I thank you so much, God, that we can come boldly into your throne room and talk to you. You are God. You are creator. You are Father. Lord, we can't imagine having the responsibilities that you have. How you're able to look over this whole world and be individually concerned with us, with me. That you listen. That you respond. God, there's nothing like that. There's no one that can do that. So we come before you in humility and want to say thank you. We know this world is hurting. We know, Lord, that every day we hear news that breaks our heart. We ask you for courage and strength. And even through your word today, to be able to get some perspective here. We pray for all the churches all over, all over our world who are proclaiming your gospel, who are praising your name, whether it be in a room or a giant cathedral. We pray for some of our sister churches right in the area here. We we pray, Father, for Orchard and for Casa de Oración and for redemption. We pray for this church, Father, in particular. We know, God, that you have sent us here today to worship and to hear your word. We will leave here, Father, different people as we listen to you, as we adore you, as you give us new and fresh perspective. We pray, Father, for all those who are serving downstairs with our children, teaching them and encouraging them and helping them get to know you better. Lord, we look at this next week with great anticipation. We are going to have our vacation Bible school, Father, and and there will be kids all over. We pray for the workers. We pray for the message especially. We ask you, dear God, that you would do something great and mighty and that lives would be changed. We pray for energy. We pray for all the different ministries, all of our partners that are all over the world right now. God, we would ask that you would help us hear your voice, obey you quickly, repent when necessary, and to be salt and light wherever you send us. We ask that, God, in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, God, uh, or Paul's God-breathed recipe is found right here in Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 12. I'm going to read through verse 19. You can follow along in your Bibles, or if you don't have one, or or your screen handy, you can follow along on the screen behind me. It's Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 12. 
And I want you to know that this is Paul just continuing. And Paul says, I I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have get, here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Paul clearly understood that it's about the gospel and the gospel being proclaimed in spite of being incarcerated or under house arrest or in spite of his chains. Let's go back to verse 12 again. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Well, what is the good news? We who are part of the church or we have grown up in the church, we we hear about the gospel. We hear that it's called the good news. But sometimes we must not think it's so good. Sometimes we might forget how wonderful this news is. But as you read, especially Paul's letters, he talks about the good news. He talks about God's mercy. He talks about God's grace. He is just overwhelmed. He cannot believe that he is a son of God. That Jesus loved him so much that he died on the cross and he spilt his blood to pay for our sin's debt, to satisfy the wrath of God. Paul knew that he was dead. Paul knew that he was lost. Paul knew that he was separated from God. Paul also knew that God loved him so much that he sent his son in order that each one of us might be restored and redeemed and connected with God. This is good news when you were dead and now you're alive. When you had no life but the years that you were going to spend here trying to do the best you can, eking out all of the joy and the happiness that you could find. When Jesus says, hey, I've saved you, I've redeemed you, I've given you a purpose, not only will you be my spokespeople, not only will you be salt and light, but you will be able to proclaim this message to other lost people who are flopping around, who are grasping for straws, who are trying to make sense of this world. 
You can tell them that Jesus loves them. You can tell them that they can invest now and enjoy abundant living and enjoy eternity forever and ever and ever. That is great news. That is amazing news. So this is the news that Paul is talking about, the message that changed his life, the message that he continually proclaims. He talks about it over in Romans. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul writes this, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ, this gospel. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. And the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It is a faith response to God's loving offer that starts the journey, gives us power, and allows us to live abundantly and eternally. This is good news. This is good news for people who are trying to figure out life and have no clue what their future holds. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach and teach and proclaim the gospel, the good news. Wherever you go, as you go and do life, tell others about this amazing offer that God has given everyone, everyone. Wow. It may not look like it, Paul says. He's writing to these Philippians. He's been away from this church for about 10 years. And he says, it may not look like it, guys. But I want you to know, God's doing something really, really special. God's mission is being accomplished. Well, normally, if you heard a letter from someone and they were in prison or life was difficult, and you called them on the phone, or maybe they would text you, you would hear about, well, all the bad things that are happening, how miserable you are. Oh, man, you should have seen what I had to eat the other day. And this guy that I was chained with, man, I'm not so sure that dude has even taken a shower forever. And you hear some of the things and, oh, I wish I could go outside. I wish I could get rid. None of that. That would be normal. Paul takes a completely different approach. He has a divine perspective on the whole situation, reminding the church that God's mission is being accomplished. Oh, my friends, I encourage you to underline and circle the text in your scripture. The word I'd like you to underline, circle, highlight is everything. Everything. Look at what Paul is saying. Let, let it sink in. He says, I, I want you to know that everything that has happened to me has helped spread the good news. Everything. 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 Paul says this. It does not matter right now in my situation. But I'm going to tell you a story. It's going it's to blow you away. 
everything that is happening to me, I'm seeing God work. I am seeing God do some things. I never could have expected. Can you imagine each one of you living a life absolutely trusting God that everything that happens today, everything that happens tomorrow, that God ordained, that God allowed, that God put you in that spot, that God is not some distant God, just kind of we're rolling the dice and it is what it is. But God is involved in everything, Paul says, that has happened to me, including these chains. Can you imagine what freedom God would give you living life like that? Paul here uses a word that was used of pioneers cutting the way through a tough terrain before an army so the armies can advance. Paul was pioneering the way for the spread of the gospel, the advancement of the gospel. And he saw his imprisonment not as restrictive. There's no pouting, no woe is me mentality. Rather, he is viewing his change as something that God allowed to advance the kingdom. He saw his chains as God-appointed megaphones to get the message of the gospel into the imperial barracks. We're going to chat about that in a moment, but, but oftentimes our ways are not God's ways. Our timing is not God's timing. We must trust that God is sovereign and that he can and often does advance the gospel while going through great personal hardships such as, in this case, imprisonment, cancer, or maybe you fill in the blank. As our faith grows, so does our confidence in our wise, sovereign Father, giving us joy as we serve him, trusting him to work out all the details. Now, just one side note, if the suffering in your life is because of your rebellion to God, my encouragement even now is to repent, confess your sin, and walk with the Lord. Anything other than sin, no matter how difficult, painful, or disappointing, should not or does not need to take away a believer's joy. And I know there are some really hard things that our people are walking through right now. Paul embraces God's assignment and trusts his Lord. His focus was kingdom advancement, not discomfort, and rejoices that the life-transforming gospel is being preached. <laughs> now just imagine this. People, specifically soldiers, are hearing the gospel. We have pictures of soldiers, especially in the first century, as a rather callous group, as a, as a rather, um, uh, shall we say, tough nut to crack. But imagine being chained to Paul. 
There are at least, according to history, about 9,000 Roman Praetorian guards right now around. Every one of these guards, and I'm not saying 9,000 were chained to him, but whoever was chained to him understood the circumstances. I don't know if they were chained for two hours, if they were chained for four hours. I don't understand all of the specific details. But can you imagine it? All right, I'm the next shift. Oh, hi, my name is Paul. Oh, we, we know all about you, Paul. How about if we just like uh, kind of sit here and <laughs> spend the next two hours and, and uh, you know, we both want to enjoy our time together. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, let, let me tell you a little bit about how Jesus changed my life. And for two hours, or three hours, or four hours, now that sounds like the gospel is pretty boring, and that's not what I'm trying to say. But can you imagine? Hey, I got to tell you about my Jesus. When I met him, this is what happened. I was blind. I couldn't believe it. And then eventually, and then I went off and did some training. I spent some time with God alone. He changed my whole life. I have been spending the last few years now just planting churches. I tell people everywhere where I... And you go, oh, wow. Now, two hours later, a new guy comes in. Hi, my name is Paul. You know what I'd like to share with you? It is unbelievable. Now, the guys are looking, and the guys are wondering, hey, you're chained. What, is, what are you so happy about? What is your problem? What is going on here? Oh, this is so cool. Paul may not have seen the impact. He did write this letter, but Right now, we know the impact was far-reaching, all right? Members of the Praetorian Guard served for about 12 years, after which they were granted the highest honors and privileges, including very generous severance pay. Eventually, they became so powerful that the thinkers, who not only protected but also chose the emperors, this, does this give you goosebumps? This was God's strategy. Paul says, hey, wait a minute. I got to be here two, three, four years. Come on, God. This is ridiculous. God says, no. I'm going to send the elite. They're going to be by you. You're going to be able to share with them the gospel. These are so influential. I can't even tell you. You would never, ever, ever have an opportunity to do this, Paul. I am telling you. This is so amazing. So because of his imprisonment, the gospel had become throughout the whole Praetorian Guard. Again, he couldn't have been chained to everyone, but these guys talk, they go in the barracks, they do the marching. Man, you should have heard, man, I've been chained to this guy, Paul. Do you know what he told me? We don't know how many responded, we don't. But Paul saw something really amazing. Everybody else saw me chained, but I got to influence. In other words, the gospel had penetrated into places it never would have without Paul's tragic arrest. What an awesome strategy. 
way better than anything Paul could have designed. And I ask you, and I look at this, and do I take the divine opportunities to serve and to love as occasions to speak the gospel wisely, winsomely, compassionately, and fearlessly? It changed my life. Do you think God put you together, allowed you to live in your neighborhood, and you fill in the blank, but God says, hey, I have sent you there. You're going to meet these people today. Now, granted, you're not chained, but how cool to have that perspective. But there was more. There was more. The church is inspired. It's confident. It's bold. Others now are all of a sudden getting excited. They're seeing Paul in the response and people coming to faith. These more hardened, shall we say, individuals. And the gospel is transforming them. <laughs> and the church is saying, whoa, Paul's chained and look what's happening over here. I think I need to do this. Paul's passion for the lost and boldness was contagious. The church was unleashed to share good news. Now, again, how does that look today? Well, sometimes you hear preachers, but most of the time, in my opinion, it's the beauty of groups or community, the beauty of a cup of coffee. I know not everyone enjoys that, but, but you get the point. It's a time to sit across from a person or two or five, to be able to tell stories and encourage and to pray for one another. The Spirit personally leads and gives each of us opportunity to affect both the unredeemed and the redeemed each and every day. If you are breathing, God says, I have an assignment for you. When, when you stop breathing, that's your cue. You're done. All right, you're done. If you're breathing, there's something here for you to do. Now, the key is, as, as we have talked about so much, is the Spirit. It's walking and listening to our Lord. It's not being some obnoxious person going wherever you go with a megaphone in your hand. It's loving people well. It's listening to the Spirit, recognizing the opportunity to be able to share how God has absolutely transformed each one of us. Now, Paul didn't have a clue how wonderful God's plan was. Soldiers hearing the gospel, the church understanding their privilege and being emboldened and empowered. How cool is this? Paul would have never been able to do this. But then he shifts gears and surprises us even more. And his focus becomes crystal clear on giving God glory, on magnifying God. So I'm going to read starting at verse 15 again and going through verse 18. It is true, Paul says, that some are preaching. He's encouraged that to preach out of jealousy and rivalry. But others preach about Christ with pure motives. He, he's recognizing that not everybody who's teaching is on the same page as he is. 
But the constant theme in Paul's life is that he would preach Christ. He would talk about the gospel. He would share. And the neat thing about Paul is that he walked with God. And his life was being transformed. And there was fruit of his relationship with God. Not everybody had that. But, but Paul did. And Paul goes on and, and he's basically sharing, going, hey, I, I just want you to know, um, sometimes people do things that will get you goat. And, and sometimes their methods you, you may not like. But I want you to know, you know what's really cool? Is that the gospel is being preached. <laughs> The gospel is being preached. You know, I think we are to ask God to continually give us love for people, no matter where they're at. And even in some ways, especially if folks are teaching and preaching God's word. Rejoice when Christ is being proclaimed. Well, what matters most to Paul is the gospel, is the gospel. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders. He was never going to see them again. It was the church he was most connected with. And he just said this, however, my life is worth nothing to me. However, my life, my desires, my hopes, it's not important. But but what is important? That every day I might testify to the gospel of God's grace. That I might be able to tell people all that God has done for me and all that God will do for you. Again, imagine having an attitude like that. Hey, my desires, they're not that important. Well, what's important is for me to be able to proclaim good news. Good news. You know, I think the longer that I walk with the Lord, the more my heart breaks for people. You, you walk around, you look at the throngs, you walk into Home Depot. <laughs> There's people everywhere. And I know I'm focused on getting some cement board. But the truth is, there's a bunch of workers over here. There's a bunch of other folks with, with piles of plywood over here. And I just wonder, Lord, do they know Jesus? How, how did, what, what's your plan? That's all. Who am I supposed to talk to today? God, who do I need to share? You know, I, I think this is an important word for Christian community because oftentimes we are quick to vilify people or ministries. And I recognize that they may not even have all doctrine right at times and they may be even immature in their growth. But do they know the gospel? Is it something again? that they can learn, that we can preach, and that the good news will be able to go out. 
I think there will be preachers and teachers who do things that make us cringe. But are they preaching Christ? Whoever these folks were, Paul didn't have a problem with the content of their preaching, only with their motives. God honors his word. His word is always something that bears fruit. The prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 55, 11, And he said this about God's word. I will send it out, and it will always produce fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to do, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You know, I don't know how many of you are sports fans, and um, I just recently enjoyed watching at least some of the NBA finals. And I have to confess, I have not watched this year one pro game. Not, not even one. Probably because I'm really cheap and I don't have cable. All right? And the Lord delivered me. But these games were all on normal TV. And I, and I was watching these guys. And, and I couldn't believe even how the game has evolved in some ways. But... I'll tell you what was funny to me, and, and maybe if you've seen this the whole time, and, and this will not even make any sense, but the interviews were funny to me. Well, all of a sudden now, between the first quarter and the second quarter, or, or this or that, they grab the coaches, or they grab a team member, or whatever, and they say, hey, you know what, you're, you're behind 25 points. What do you think you got to do differently? Okay, now these multi-million dollar coaches and multi-million dollar players or whatever, it's hilarious to me. Here's what they say. Well, you know what? We need to play better defense. (laughs) You know what? We need to get better looks. Hey, you know what? We need to position ourselves better so we get rebounds. You, You know, I guess ever since I've been a little kid... Ever since I've been, you know how you play basketball? You better play defense. You better get a, a, a good look. <laughs> and, and realistically, you better rebound. You know, these are, ba- yes, there's passing, yes, there's shooting. If you have Steph Curry, I mean, that, let's face it, that, that would be a bonus on your team. But I look at this and I think, what is Paul trying to say? Paul's trying to say the basics are the gospel. I want you to share it. I want you to give God glory. I want you to point to God. I think Coach Paul would have said, hey, the important thing in your journey is being able to know and share the gospel and bring God glory. Share the good news. Some of you may have noticed that I left out verse 19. And actually, I did for a reason. I'd like to read it for you. It's an amazing, it's powerful. Verse 19. Paul writes at the end of this section, For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Now, I can tell you Paul is not talking about deliverance from prison right here, as most of us would probably think. 
All right. He hasn't mentioned this. He doesn't even mention it in any of his other prison epistles. He said, hey, you guys, why don't you get a prayer meeting and make sure you pray so I can get out of this situation. He sees the situation as beneficial to him. But this is what he is saying. Prayer changes things for Paul. Prayer changes things for us. Paul knew that the enemy's lies and the culture's self-focused philosophies were strong but that the prayers of God's people were critical. We talked a little bit about this last week. We don't always understand if God is going to do what he's going to do and and if God has his plan, why would I pray? It doesn't seem to make sense. But over and over, God asks us to pray, to go boldly into his throne room, to pray on behalf of other believers, to pray for protection, to pray that people's faith would grow, to pray that their knowledge of God would get more and more. You see, Paul was confident that he would be delivered from the enemy's lies and the culture's philosophies because God's people were praying. Paul knew all this life was temporary, even the chains. And if we were in that situation or whatever hard situation that you're in right now, my guess is it's really hard not to focus on the chains. But God's sovereign plan incorporates the prayers of his people. I'm not sure you understand how important that is is that you personally can be praying for others and that it matters. It not only matters, it is critical. So as you look at Paul's words today, instead of being crabby, instead of focusing on how uncomfortable and how much he may even think that God's plan is not so good, He switches everything. He says, man, God's plan's amazing. And included chains. I get to influence the unbelievable soldiers of Rome. The church is now more bold. They are preaching the gospel. There's great boldness and power. We are giving God glory There's others who are preaching, and and to be quite honest, they have bad motives. But the gospel is still going out, and I'm still rejoicing. And I want you to know, you, you Philippians, have a big part. And that is, you keep praying for me. Keep praying for me. Can we bow our heads for a moment? And, And I'm going to ask you to do this. 
If God has encouraged you or convicted you today, if you personally have heard from God and and you've been prompted by His Spirit, again, please, nobody look around. I would like you to stand up right now. If God is working, if God is convicting, if you have been encouraged, if your tires have been pumped, would you stand right now? And and the reason I'm going to have you stand is I'm going to pray specifically for you. Thank you. If God is working, if God is convicting, Would you stand? Would you stand? I'm going to pray. Father, we look around and your word is powerful. And and Lord, it convicts us and it inspires us. And, And we look at Paul's example where he says, everything, everything that has happened to me, you are using it. You've put Paul in different places, in different situations. And God, we need to hear this message. Our lives would be different if we believed with all of our hearts that everything that happens to us today, well, you designed. Lord, help us listen to you better. For these folks, Father, who are standing, we pray especially that you would encourage them and strengthen them, empower them for the days ahead. We ask you, dear God, that you would use this time in their lives to open their eyes to who you are, that they would be quicker to repent when they sin and to trust you to open their mouths the right time at the right place, that the gospel would be presented, that they each one would have the attitude, however, my life is not worth anything to me. But God, what's important is that I would be able to share others the hope that I have in my heart. God, we have a world that's scrambling, a world that's in chaos, a world that's confused, a world that doesn't have a Savior. But you love each one of us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for all that you have done. And pray this day, Father, that our perspective would be different that our boldness would be amazing and that you send us a salt and light that we would represent you well, that you would be magnified in our lives, whether in chains or not. We love you, Lord. We do. And pray all these things. In your son's name, please be seated.